Zach Gorchow, editor of Gong War News Service, comically passionate fan of the Detroit Tigers and MSU sports, a weather enthusiast, internet photobomb sensation, and now today, the first and maybe last guest on the Cold Oatmeal podcast. On this, the pilot episode of Cold Oatmeal, we will talk to Zach about the nature of news in 2017, how he covers it, what he thinks of PR flax and the work that we do, how he defines fake news, and if the Tigers will win 75 games. Then, if the recording devices have not yet been repossessed, our own internet sensation, hashtag Nick Delu, known by those who know him best as Thug Passion, will look up slowly from his rocking chair on the front porch and tell us the words and sayings he feels must be immediately banned from the internet in our 2017 lexicon. Kind of like any sentence that starts with that moment when, like that moment when you stumble across a fun new podcast about public relations and the media from us, the team at Rest Strategies. So annoying. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rest Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I'm debating if I want to go to Panera for dinner tonight. I'm not really sure if I want to go. I just got, I got Blaze Pizza on Monday, which is nice because I, what? It's nice because I wanted pizza, but I didn't, I just, I can't eat a whole pizza without feeling like garbage. I agree. So Sarah, I have to say that when I thought of the intro to our cold oatmeal podcast, that was exactly what I had in my mind. My mind. I definitely did that on purpose. <laughs> I knew that. I knew that was intentional. That was. Ex- I thought when I heard that when you two were playing around and sent that through, I thought this is it. They've got the light bulb. It. They are. They are naturals at this. So thank you. Too. Sarah just dived right into that too. That was completely unrehearsed. It was just Sarah. I need you to talk for a couple seconds. You didn't write that record. out no. first. No, of course not. I'm surprised. Anyway, well, this is the first episode of the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. This is a project we've been working on here at Resh Strategies for a few months. Um, I'm Matt Resh, the owner of Resh Strategies, and I'm joined by... Sarah Ombre, and I work in kind of social media and project assisting as necessary. Looking across the room at you. Joe Beshi, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here in the office. I'm working, <laughs> I'm working for Matt. And now a podcast production uh, yes, master. Yes, our sound engineer. Yeah, if, if this sounds like garbage, I am the one to blame. So let's <laughs> so send that info at Rest Strategies. Complaints for Joe. <laughs> and then over in the corner, who uh, we don't have a microphone for today because we broke it as we were setting up for this recording session, but our, our summer intern, uh, the faithful Kirsten Maine, who has joined us uh, for... Uh, this she's taking some photos of our initial podcast and our guest the brave Zach Gorchow who has a look on his face right now is like why is that door locked can I get out before no I'm honored to be here this is exciting hopefully uh when you get play it back it's not just static and uh, that might be an brilliant thoughts are conveyed to uh the uh the many uh uh, dozens who will be listening, no doubt, to the first broadcast. That's ambitious. Dozens. I would, I would be thrilled with dozens. I was actually going to think, I was going to say that, you know, I know we probably will have two listeners, my mom and, and hopefully yours. And since your mother, I'm assuming, knows what Gong or News Service is and mine yes. does not, 
I'm wondering if you could start us off by answering the question you probably get at fa family gatherings about where is that place that you work exactly at? what yes. do you do Gongwer News Service. Uh, we are a daily publication in Lansing that covers Michigan government and politics. We've been here since 1961. Uh, everyone always asks me, Gong, what? What is that? Named for Charles Gongwer, who founded the company in Columbus, Ohio, and his family decided to expand to Michigan in, in 1961. You can find us online at gongwer.com, G-O-N-G-W-E-R.com. It's always funny. I do have some clients that I work with who work in Ohio, and it's always refreshing because whenever I mention Gong Word to people outside of Michigan, they, they kind of give me that weird look. But people from Columbus, they know yes. it's a, a two-state operation. So we have. I'm gonna, I want to start with a, with a question that we've been asking ourselves the last week or so. I think Sarah was the one who started this conversation. Um, and I'd be curious to start with you. What is the first news event you ever remember being aware of as a child? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'd say it probably, I, I give two, probably two answers. Uh, one is I remember well when Reagan beat Carter in 1980, mainly because my father, in addition to being a, a very diehard Democrat, is also a big map geek. And so we had created a, a map. We didn't have those fancy computers where you can pick a state and it colors red or blue. We had traced a map of the United States, and he was going to track um, which candidate was winning which states. Well, it was didn't take much past the <laughs> Mississippi River before it was clear uh, Reagan was going to win in a landslide. And at the age of, I wasn't quite five yet. I didn't know what any of that meant. I just knew he was really upset. <laughs> <And> <laughs> because, he he couldn't, because he, he couldn't finish his map? Or yeah, he, well, probably both. He put his marker down in, in sadness. So I remember that, and it was a big deal, but I don't think I really understood the scope of, of what it all meant. Um, but probably the first news event, I just thinking about right now, I think is when the um, Airline, the Korean airliner was shot down over the Soviet Union in 1983. I would have been seven at the time, and it was a, a major news event. You know, my my family, we were, as you might expect, we were big news junkies. We got news, you know, newspaper, Newsweek magazine, and it was all over the news. And I just remember, like, you're getting old enough to know what's going on and to realize, whoa. Um, you know, we knew, you know, the Soviet Union just shot down a commercial airliner with 300 people on it, and they all died. Uh, you know what might happen. You know, the, you know President Reagan gave a very uh, tense speech, so that I, I'm going to say that's probably the one that that comes to mind. Yeah, we had some fun talking about that, and it's been <clears throat> fun to see the different generations that we that we have here and the different the different things. Sarah, what, what was yours again? Well, I, at first I thought that it was 9/11. Uh, I'm 22, and I kind of thought a little bit more about it though, and I think it was the Bush. Gore election of 2000 and everyone rushing to Florida and trying to get their their votes cast and the recount there. So see, mine was mine was very traumatic because I thought that they were we were we were bombing Fort Wayne, Indiana. My parents, with a mishap with our babysitter, um, left my sister and myself at home, thinking the babysitter who lived across the street was going to be there any minute. Um, she had the wrong night and she never appeared. Um, I discovered this when I walked over to their house to see if she was there, and no one answered the answered the door. So, I w I don't remember how old I was, but I remember being home the night that we bombed Libya, mm -hmm. and hearing that for whatever reason. I'm not sure why I was listening to the radio, but I remember listening to the radio about 
um, are bombing Libya, and I thought for sure that they were coming for Fort Wayne next. <laughs> but Joe, yourself? I think mine was. I'm I'm almost certain it was probably Desert Storm. I feel like I just remember the news being on a lot at home, and that wasn't a normal thing. And watching uh, war on TV, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is war, and I'm six, and this is how this goes. And that was a weird two weeks, and that was I think that was it. Well, what about the first news story you remember covering? Because you, I'm sure, you probably did this in high school. You probably, I know you did yeah. it in college. You were, worked at the state news at Michigan State. Right. What is the first big news event you remember covering? Well, I think probably the first big story I had to cover was at the state news, the MSU student newspaper. Um, I uh, was uh, sort of in the middle of the semester thrown into covering cops and courts. I had been in, you know, you start out at the state news as an intern, at least back then you did. And they had a reporter who had to leave. That was their cops reporter. And they, they uh, asked me if I wanted to do that. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a student who had been on trial for sexual assault of another student. And he had been convicted. And the sentencing, I believe, was coming up. And that was very intense uh, because he, he was convicted of third degree criminal sexual conduct. It was a felony. Uh, the, case was being tried down at the Mason Courthouse um, and I wrote I started writing a number of stories about the upcoming sentencing and the, the surrounding circumstances and so forth and I can just remember walking into that that courtroom for the sentencing and I felt like all of the um, uh, the convicted students uh, friends and family just were staring lasers through me uh, I don't know that they even knew, knew who I was or, or what maybe they saw I had a notebook in my hand but I remember uh, they they were not happy with my coverage, and uh, they weren't happy with what you had written about. They weren't happy they with weren't what happy I had written. I there. think they thought that somehow it had been unfair. Um, but the guy had been convicted. I don't think as I don't as I remember that's what I had written. Um, and I remember um, I as he was leaving, I attempted to ask as he was being led away. He was going to be let off to prison. He was sentenced for two years. Although as it turns out. Um, the Michigan Supreme Court ended up overturning the conviction hmm. later on. Uh, long story, but he ultimately uh, was uh, exonerated. Uh, but he did end up serving two years in prison, uh, or close to it. Um, and as he was being led away, he clearly was very freaked out, um, as someone being led away to a state prison would be. And I attempted to ask him if he had any thoughts, and he just sort of stuttered. He couldn't really say anything. And our photographer got this great photo of um, the uh, sheriffs leading him off to the van that was going to take him to be processed for prison, but that was that was a very intense experience. Uh, you know, the the victim and her family. It was you know they were obviously very upset about what had happened, um, and the, the the guy who was convicted was very upset about what had happened. It was a, a lot of coverage, um, and it was it was being thrown into the fire right away. Well, that being your first one, maybe this is a hard thing to ask, but did it feel different? to be reporting on your, I mean, you probably didn't know them personally, but fellow students at the campus that you were that you were going to as opposed to people who, you know, you're reporting on things who are complete and total strangers to you. Was that, was that weird? Um, no, because Michigan State's such a big campus. I, I didn't know who any of them, I didn't know any of these people. So it, it didn't feel that, that way, but it was a big change from, you know, when you're an intern, you know, you take a turn on the city desk the sports desk features. So I remember as an intern, I think I wrote a feature on what the men's tennis team was doing. So this was a big change from that. It was certainly a huge change from high school where 
you know, we, you know, there's some high school papers. In fact, the high school paper I work at now is about a hundred times better than it was then. We thought we were okay then, but you know, it was you know a lot of uh, feature kinds of stories, not hard news, not like this. Right. Well, let me see. Your typical day for you now. Um, you're not covering those kinds of stories. You're covering the Capitol and the governor and the legislature. I'm curious, on a typical day, how many press releases do you get? Well, I can't say the number on press releases, but I can tell you on a typical day, I get probably at least 200 emails. And a lot of those are press releases or conveying some form of news. Um, it, it is massive. Uh, you know, how many of them do you read? I give all of them at least, well, I give 95% of them at least a, a, a good skim. Uh, there are a few that I get, like it might be from uh, far-flung places in the state where somehow we ended up on their list and they're telling me about the local parade. And I just know right away, I'm deleting that. You know, I'm not going to look at it. But most of them I at least skim and take a look at because it's always the one you don't look at that bites you. Just last week, in fact, um, you know, we got a release, um, we, we're on Oakland County's press release list, and most of those don't concern us at all. And in fact, this was one of the ones I just did delete. Well, um, later in the day, I saw, uh, I think the Free Press posted a story about how Oakland County was suing the state of Michigan over the um, new indigent defense law. And I was like, wait, what? And then I thought, oh, wait a minute. And I went back and looked, and sure enough, it was the release they had sent were telling us they were filing a lawsuit. And I thought, this is why you got to look at every single one, and it better be about like the circus coming to town if you're going to delete it. So, well, how do you figure that? How do you figure out what's going to be in your edition every day? Because you have you know between probably eight and a dozen or fourteen stories a day, depending on what's yeah. going on uh, downtown. So I'm sure that there are the stories that are ongoing that you're following as they develop, but something that's brand new, some some brand new thing that gets announced to you all through a news release. How do you evaluate what gets put in the edition? Well, the most important thing is, you know, how central is this to our readership, which tends to be people in government, lobbyists, trade associations, public relations firms, campaign consultants, school districts, local governments, um, you know, decision makers, corporations. If it there's sort of a Venn diagram of all of that, and <laughs> if it's you know how close it is to the center of it will largely determine, you know, is this something we're definitely going to get, uh, you know, we're going to do a story on today. Um, you know, so this will probably lead into a little bit of discussion. And, and I, first, I want to commend you that your organization does not do this. Sweet. But, um, you know, we do get uh, a, a decent number of announcements that I do feel like are solely to the benefit of the client. And I, it has, it's just not news. Um, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, and I don't really want to bust anybody's chops without, you know, Please telling do. to their you, face. Name, names, <laughs> name them. But, uh, you know, we will get, a, you know, press releases or, you know, we're doing a conference call. And I'll just let you know, it, maybe it's something we've been updated on 10 times. Uh, maybe it's something that there's just no new angle here. And I just, you know, I could just see like, okay, they're trying to, you know, impress their client or show their client they're working for them. But, at the end, like, I have no obligation to that. You know, I, my obligation is, is this news? Does this matter to our readers? You know, therefore, will we, you know, write about it or won't we? Um, so it, it's, there's got to be something new to it. There's got to be, uh, there's got to be a, a hook. Um, you know, is, does this involve legislation that's happening right now? Does this involve 
uh, an election or, or an issue that's running really hot? Um, or is this something really far afield? You know, we will get you know, announcements about something that's very federal government focused. Oftentimes then we'll say, sorry, we're going we're to pass on that. Well, I can certainly say from someone who's been on the end of the call about why didn't Gong were right about that? <laughs> I can, I can uh, feel your pain from a, from a couple angles. So I'm curious. I'm going to pretend I'm M Live here for a second. Okay. And come up with a list of things. You know how they're very they like to do their lists of the you know the, yes. the best organic grilled cheese sandwiches and Clinton <laughs> County lists. So um, why I'm curious, what are the top three most annoying things? or I guess I'll say, to borrow Joe's favorite word, stupid things, that you see PR people do where you shake your head and you think, they think this works? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Okay, top three most annoying things. Okay, this is, this is such a grammar geek thing for me, so I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but stop capitalizing words that aren't supposed to be capitalized. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times it drives me nuts to see titles that are like the word governor or oh, I remember that when I worked for the governor, we or always senator had to capitalize it. Capitalized when it's not the title before a name. It drives me crazy. And not just because it's annoying to me, but then when we if we say it's in a quote, if we copy and paste into our story, then I've got to lower go through and make it all lowercase. I'm like, why are you doing this? I know you're you have your reasons, but it is not grammatically correct. It's not AP style. So that, that is one thing, just a pet peeve that comes to <laughs> mind right away. Um, I, I think it's when, you know, there's a couple things. One, you throw the, the, a quote gets put in there that has something that's so inflammatory, so incendiary, that there's just absolutely no way that we're going to use it. And then you, you're trying to find, okay, what part of the quote kind of gets at the key issue here and what part of it is just a gratuitous shot that serves no real value to the readers. That, that, I, that, that I find uh, problematic or annoying. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's when, I sort of alluded to this earlier, when you get the announcement of something, you know, maybe it's an advisory about a press call where there's something that's just nothing new here. Like, you know, okay, we, we have, we have covered this extensively and there's you know i understand you're trying to you know stay on the issue but no you know there's nothing new here do you ever have any of those i mean you're a you're a funny a funny team over there john's hilarious you're pretty funny yeah. i'm sure it's like those overheard in the newsroom quotes when you oh, all get yeah. the same annoying press release <laughs> at the same time and you all like exclaim something about it yeah, I mean, you know, John, you know, would probably be like, well, I don't know why we got this one. You know, it was a very nasally voice. Uh, uh, Chris, you know, is, is, is incredibly sarcastic and has a great sarcastic wit to him. And usually me, it's just a lot of profanity. And, you know, what, you know, what is this? This is, this is silly. But um, having said all that, you know, I am glad in the end, I would much rather get the material into my inbox than not. You want to know what's really annoying is when you're not on a media list about something really important. Um, Senator, uh, future Senator Bob Young, if you are a future senator, that's you. I, <laughs> your announcement did not come into You've our been, inbox that you were running. Been so called I, out, Justice. That, uh, uh, you know, I I talked. You know, I'm kidding. I mean, I did talk to their people, and we were they were very apologetic. And stuff happens, especially on campaigns. Oftentimes, spam filters catch those. Can I feel bad for the press release? The, the 
public relations firm people and other reporters that you know you're you probably put all this work into sending out a release but the problem is these spam filters don't like funny sounding emails and new campaigns jillsmithforsenate.com have funny sounding emails and oftentimes they just get routed into the spam and then it, it screws up the campaign it screws us up because it goes to a few reporters and not others so i you know that, that happened to me where I, I did that. We spent a day just frantically getting ready for this announcement. I hit send and then crickets. Yep. And like, and then no one got it because it went to everyone's junk mail because yes. it was a brand new email address. It's a big address. problem. So what do you, how do you feel about specific leaks to specific reporters? Another very good question. Um, depends on the situation, um, and it depends on who's doing it. If it's an entity that tends to be pretty good about, you know, spreading the wealth, so to speak, where they, you know, well, let's call Gongor on this one, or we'll call the AP on that one, or the news on this one, the free press on this one, then I, I have no problem with it. If it's somebody who has a long established reputation of fairness and being, you know, very, treating everybody pretty equally, I have no problem with it. Um, if it's clearly the kind of thing where you can see they're going for a two-day story for strategic purposes, where they know, hey, we give this to the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News, they're going to run an exclusive on it the next day, top, you know, lead their website, top of the front page, and then we know it's such an important story, everyone else is going to follow on it. I get it. I understand it. Um, but if it's done, you know, I have no, you know, there's a couple of folks out there um, who seem just by default you know, they're going to leak stuff to eat one of the Detroit papers. That's just what they're going to do. Um, and they're never going to leak anything to anybody else. Um, you know, it gets annoying because, you know, it's sort of a sense of like, well, you know, our publication just doesn't matter to you. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll have conversations with them, too, about, you know, we, hey, we understand on certain issues. You're clearly going to want right. to leak to the publications that have the readership, the M Lives, the free presses, the news. I, I get all that. But I'll tell them, I was like, there's some issues you could provide a leak on where I know those papers don't care at all and their readers are not really going to care, but our readership really will care. And the other papers may very well then follow up on it. And I, but I don't know that people have ever really gotten that. It, it's still fairly sporadic when that, that does happen. Uh, but it does, you know, we do get that from time to time. Um, in the end, though, I'm a big believer in if you try to, as a reporter in a news organization, if you try to survive on what, what I call handouts, um, and it sounds a little bit derisive, and, it, and it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. um, you're not, you're not going to do well because, you know, I, there have been times where I know for a fact the Snyder administration looped in some, you know, bigger news outlets to uh, something with an embargo. They said, you know, we'll tell you by three. And then I found out about it beforehand, and I broke the story. And, you know, I'd much rather do that than have a handout. Because in the end, what is that? Okay, yeah, we had it first, but what did I really do? I just got the information and wrote my story. But... You know, it, you, you've got to be out there hustling. And 95% and of reporters do that. But, you know, there have, I, you know, over the years, there have been reporters that have relied on handouts, and I don't, I don't think it really serves them well. Well, I don't know if you, you'll, you play it straight. Um, and I'm sure that many people who are in the business of doing the leaking, um, who want to say, hey, I'm going to go to this person, are expecting in exchange maybe a fairer shake in the yeah. coverage or a more favorable slant to the coverage um be, you know that's the strategic part of of right you know picking those kinds of things yeah i mean there was when i was a pretty brand new reporter um this is quite a 
uh, this was quite a uh, controversy in the Capitol press corps at the time. Uh, there was one of the legislative leaders decided they wanted to leak a story. Uh, it was a, Repu a Republican leader just wanted to leak a story on a particular issue, um, and they went to one of the major newspapers, but with the proviso that they were not to call the Democrats about this. And the reporter basically said, "No, I'm I'm not going to do that. You know, I I'll you know I'm happy to write the story, but I am going to get comment from others." Well, then they went to a different major news outlet, and that person did agree to do that. Huh. And believe me, that person took reputation took a big hit among the other reporters that they were willing to do that just to, you know, to get the scoop. Wow. Well, it's interesting. You've um, you have an interesting background because, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you were at you were at Gongwer for a while, and then you did a, you did a tour at the Free Press. I did. For yeah. a few, was it three years? Three, four, four years? years. Yeah. And then came back to Gongwer later. Yeah. Talk about the difference between working in you know a statewide newspaper and you know Gong where I will, you probably wouldn't know if you want to classify this, but more of a niche publication. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. focused we're very much on state government. Yeah, we're definitely a niche publication. That's, that's what, the right. How term. would you? How do you oh, describe the difference? Totally different, um, in the sense that you know I got to the Free Press. Um, so I first started out covering Wayne County government and politics for two years, and then I covered Detroit City Hall for the next two years. Um, and I mean, there's a couple big differences. One, just the scope. There's so many more people at the, in the newsroom, um, at least there were then. I mean, there's certainly been some contraction since then, unfortunately. Um, more editors who would have a voice in your story. You know, you think like, you know, you and your main editor and maybe your section editor get a sense on a direction of a story, but if the story's going to the front page, all of a sudden some other editors come in and maybe one of them decides they don't like it, it's not going to go to the front page, or they think it needs to go in a totally different direction. So you always just had to be on your toes um, about that. There was always the possibility of, you know, you could be roped into any issue on any given day. Um, uh, it could be a weather story, and as you, as you mentioned, yes, you I, did, I was the one person in that office that, did not, that actually liked being on weather stories, with one exception, the, the heat when it's like 100 degrees out. Those. Nobody wants to write about Have you that. ever chased a storm? I mean, I know that you're always you're uh, prolific on not, social media commenting not in on storms. You've never gotten in the car and gone after no, one. No, no, no. Um, I no, I don't have the lack the technology <laughs> and and would and, and the expertise really to, to pull something like that off on my own. Someday I would like to do that though. Um, if you saw a tornado, would you get in your car and go after it, like it was going uh, the other way? I feel like I would. Yeah, well, if it depends if it was close to my house, I probably would look out for the family. But if I were just on the road somewhere, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably get after it. Yes. When did your when did your fascination with weather start? Young age. Was it a fear uh, of weather or no, was it just fascination with fascination, it? Fascination. Uh can't really ascribe it to anything in particular. I mean I remember a couple big storms when I was little. I thought those were fascinating, but it was just I don't know, maybe it was like we got cable when I was pretty young and I thought the Weather Channel was amazing at that point. The big, I, I Doppler, the big Doppler thing that just had the circle that beat yeah, right. and you could see the storms yes. coming. I remember that was awesome. That was, you just saw, the, saw it coming at yeah, you. Yeah, I can't say why, but it just clicked from the beginning. Um, so, you, you, yeah, at, you could get roped into a bit, any issue on any given day. Um, you know, there could be, uh, there was a, a terrible incident where a uh, tour boat, in New York State carrying a number of retired Michiganders flipped over and a number of them drowned. I don't think I was roped in on that one as I remember, but I mean, tons of people were 
you know, pulled in on that. Um, and you just never knew what you were going to get called, you know, called in to work on. Okay. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's wrap up um, and focus a little bit on some sports. Oh, I know well. that next to weather, maybe probably a little before weather is your, your, uh, the, the fun I get in watching you talk and comment on your beloved oh, teams, boy. the Tigers, over under 75 games. Are they going to win 75? I think they will win 75. Well, it depends. I guess if they trade a bunch of people. If they, they end does up, Does that mean they will or they won't? They won't. <laughs> if they end up trading a bunch of people, they will not make 75. If they end up sort of standing pat, I think they will get to 75. How many games have you been to this year? I've actually only been to one. I just was I was out in Minneapolis and saw them play in Minnesota. Um, and then but then I'm also going to a game uh, this Sunday. Houston's coming into town. Okay. Um, maybe, well, it's not really a brighter topic, MSU football. We had a conversation oh, is it yesterday when we were talking about I don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah, Sarah got really mad because we all were ripping on Michigan State um, student fans and their, their focus more on the drinking and the oh, partying sure. and not the showing up part of the, the fan part. Um, but we had a bit of a bet as to whether or not you could walk through the entire Spartan schedule for the year and do a prediction of a win or loss at this point. Are you familiar okay. enough with the schedule? Uh, yes. Because Nick was going through. We had to pull it up, but we had we had everyone guessing what the what the prognostication for the year would be. What do you think? Um, I think they'll they'll finish five and seven. <laughs> yes. Um, I think six <laughs> wins is. I'll just say this: I'm a season ticket holder for since 1994. Um, 1998 graduate of Michigan State, so I I love the Spartans. I went to the Rose Bowl. And so forth, um, but I, I think it would. I think six wins is an absolute maximum. I think they're probably going to be five and seven, and it it could get worse real fast if they don't win some games early. Um, it's a very young team, uh, lacking any depth. Uh, I think they're going to give up thirty to thirty-five points a game, probably with the way their defense is decimated, and it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty bleak. And we're not even getting into the, all the off-the-field right. horrificness. Where is Nick when you need him to defend yeah. his? I think he had him going <laughs> like 9-3, 10-2. Yeah, he three, yeah, ten he was at least with eight wins. Yeah, wow. I, I had him starting, what, 2-7? and seven? I Something, think, I think something gonna, bad, yeah. They're going to like trip through those first Bowling Green and Western Michigan games yeah. and not impress people, and Spartan fans are going to start to get all upset because – because they don't look good, and I'm really just leading up to Indiana beating them at homecoming. That's, <laughs> that's my that's my, uh, yes. my plan. So, okay, one one more question, yeah. and we'll let you go. Uh, how do you define fake news? Oh, that's all right. So, fake news is a hoax. It's not a news organization making a mistake. It's not a news organization running a story that involves an unnamed source. Um, it is. It's generally not anything produced by a legitimate news organization. It's, it's when you have these fly-by-night websites that crop up and just make stuff up. Um, I hate the term fake news. I think in a lot of ways, I don't know who created it, but I think those of us in journalism have done a disservice by even using it because I don't like the word news even appearing in it because that's what these, these are hoaxes. It's basically become news you disagree with. Right. becomes you, fake yeah, news. Right. News you disagree with is not, quote, unquote, fake news. Um, you know, it, it, these are lies. These, these are, you know, things that are just made up out of whole cloth, designed to manipulate a group of people. Um, 
and it's it's a real scourge um, and it's unfortunate that now I you know we see that you know large you know the president and others trying to undermine uh, legitimate news organizations and legitimate news stories um, by saying well this is just fake news and uh, you know I can tell you like any uh, professional reporter who fabricates a story will be fired uh, and will never be hired again um, uh, or at least they should be there's one name that comes to mind that that didn't happen to <laughs> uh, but the consequences should be very severe. I can say that at our news organization, had, if that ever happened, that would be the last day. The last that would be the last thing they wrote for our news organization. There would be an exhaustive investigation to going through their old work, to see if there were other problems, um, and uh, it's it's you know, I, I I don't know what can be done. There's I don't know what can be done about the the hoax sites that are out there. Um, because there's no real way to police them, but uh, you know, I well, you know, criticism. We we are criticism is of news organizations is important. We do get it wrong. Mistakes, you know, we do make mistakes, and when they happen, we need to know about them and and we'll correct them. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of CNN right now, but they're they're not a fake news organization. Um, they are a, in many ways a, a talk radio on television organization, but they did. Um, have a story recently that you know was aired subsequent and I believe published on their website subsequently concluded it did not meet their standards they pulled it and then the people involved with that story resigned that that is not what happens at a at a so-called fake news organization at a, a fake news organization if if you know something happened where you were called out on printing something fake I think probably the champagne glasses would clink and you'd welcome all the watch the clicks pour in <laughs> Well, on that light note, I didn't want to. I didn't want to end on a downer with Michigan State football, so I thought I would right. shift with fake news yeah, and right. end on a positive, <laughs> positive note. Zach, thank you very much for this taking the time this afternoon. Zach Gorchow from Gong Renew Service, uh, editor, and our very first guest on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. <laughs> Okay, West Side. We are back. Nick Delu has joined us. You may hear the creaking of his rocking chair in the corner of the Cold Oatmeal Studios. Nick, why don't we start with you? You wrote a, a blog recently. It is on our website at reststrategies.com at our blog about words and phrases that you find to be horribly annoying and think that should be banned. Why don't you tell us about them? Well, the truth is I find so much horribly annoying, um, but I figured... Why not talk about the words since we do words here at Rush Strategy? So I, I think everybody's pretty familiar with uh, Lake Superior State University and the list that they do every year, um, January 1st. They talk about the words and the phrases that should be banned in the new year. And um, these reports always get a ton of news coverage. Um, they're, they're archived on the Internet. People reference them. They're awesome talking points. Uh, 2017 has not been easy on anybody, and uh, 2016 was tough. And there are so many words and phrases that I thought were already ready to be pitched. 
So, so I blogged reststrategies.com. Everybody should check it out, right? How many times am I supposed to pitch that today? As many as you possible. Okay. Reststrategies.com. Click, share. Right. So, uh, so, so blogged and, and I sort of inhabit a few different, you know, bubbles, which is one of those words that's going to be, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see that on the podcast. Uh, bubbles, um, which is one of the words that's going to be probably banned next year. Um, and so I, I hit a couple of the words and phrases in each one of my sort of prominent bubbles that should go away. Um, so social media, these things drive me crazy. The phrase, hold my beer, okay? Is that a social media phrase or just a stupid phrase in I've, general? I, nobody I've never, nobody I've says never, it. I've never heard anyone say, hold my beer. Like, I don't get that one. Where, what's... I don't even think I've seen that written anywhere. That's another one of those things, though. It's made to be read. Like, no one says, like, oh, hold my beer. Where are you seeing that, though? Is that on Facebook? It's on Twitter. It was all over Twitter probably, like, a couple months ago. Do you know why it's stopping on Twitter? Because I blogged about it. I told people (laughs) to chill out. Yeah, maybe it's just because I... Well, it got really popular back when the Delta Airline weather debacle happened at spring break. And then, was it American or United who punched somebody? It was United. United. Yeah, so then he punched somebody. And then that that was like, hold my beer. I'm worse than Delta. I don't think he actually punched someone. I think he just dragged him off. Oh, no, they punched punched him. They punched him? Oh, yeah. Well, they beat that guy silly. The cop said, hold my beer. I have to punch this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's but to your point, Joe, nobody says it. So why is it on your list? Because everybody tweets it. Okay. okay, I'm. I'm Full I'm, circle, I'm back to social media. Right. Got it. Yes. So, people should stop tweeting it. They should. They should tweet it about as often as they say it. Um, it's. It's super annoying. Uh, you're not clever, or hilarious if you say "hold my beer" and because everybody uses it. Everybody. The gag has run its course. Okay. Let's find a new gag. Um, Matt sort of teed this one up. You won't believe what happens. I mean, these teasers, the clickbait, clickbait stuff. Clickbait. Right. It's terrible. You know, Zach talked about that. About you clickbait? Were, yeah, talking about, well, in talking conversations about fake news and and how all it is, is is clickbait and not accuracy and all the rest of that doesn't matter. We're just trying to get some clicks. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to click it. Cool. So <laughs> public relations, that's, what we, that's uh, part of what we do here on top of podcasting. Um, <clears throat> the word tirelessly. Okay. People type this. They use it in press releases all the time. Joe, this is going to go back to your point about hold my beer. When have you ever heard someone in actual conversation say they do anything tirelessly or anyone? I don't know, but I'm certain I use that in press releases. (laughs) You're fired. (laughs) You should stop. (laughs) Um, And and I I will never do it again. It's just, I've done it to you. Everybody's done it. If you've ever written a press release, you've probably used the word tirelessly, but it's, it's phony. It's a pointless word. It I'm is. Re- I'm reading a book right now that is I probably should have read 25 years ago about how to write well, and it a lot of it is about using extra words with no meaning to make yourself sound smarter than you actually are. And when you use words that mean nothing to make yourself sound smarter than you actually are, you actually make yourself sound dumber yeah. because you're saying nothing. Right. I had a professor once. Um, probably one of the only times I cried in college because I thought I was not going to graduate. <laughs> <coughs> he was a Russian, a Russian poli-sci professor who helped write the constitution of the new Russia after the fall of the, of the Soviet Union. Casual. Yeah, no, <laughs> name drop. Um, and he wrote, he handed me back a paper, my soft, uh, spring semester senior year. I had to pass this class to graduate, and it was an easy class. It was like an intro to, intro to international politics. And he handed me back my paper and said, Mr. Resch, this is my Russian accent, you would make an excellent journalist because you have mastered the art of writing about absolutely nothing. <laughs> Cold. 
Hashtag dagger. <laughs> yeah. You cried? I, I did. After that? I, I left the room first, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to graduate. My parents are coming. My grandparents are coming. Now, the, the Cold War was already well over at this point. Yeah, it was raging in my heart, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so tirelessly. Don't don't get crossways with Russian college professors. Okay, next, cal- next category. <laughs> Deep dive. Oh. Deep dive. Okay, I, it's a favorite of, like, conference call participants and client meetings. Every, we're going to take a deep dive into whatever topic. Super annoying. Don't say deep dive. You're not going to take a deep dive. You don't even know what you're talking about. We love our clients. They never say this. But I understand other, other people's clients say deep dive all the time. Um, they should stop saying that. Uh, general political discourse. Okay, so my, my background, um, as, as is the background of others in this room, we did campaigns and elections before we got into public relations, a lot of politics. Um, patriarchy. People just shout patriarchy. My candidate lost. It's the patriarchy. I didn't get a very good grade on a test. Patriarchy. You don't have turkey dogs at this cookout. Patriarchy. Stop. I feel like I haven't noticed that one either. I've, I don't know. We run in different circles, I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You need to get on Twitter more. I, Sarah uses patriarchy all the time. Hashtag patriarchy. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you might now. She's offended by the suggestion. That <sighs> yes. So rude. Um, but I'm an equal opportunity hater here. I hate patriarchy, which is used primarily by the left. I, on the right, folks use the, the word snowflakes. Um, and like People with liberal opinions who disagree with me are snowflakes because they're intellectually and emotionally fragile. Or maybe they just disagree with you. You're not clever. A snowflake isn't creative. Stop name-calling. Can we stop with snowflakes? Um, one of my other bubbles is church. I'm one of those Jesus people. I'm, I'm an imperfect one, and um, I'm learning on the job, but... Um, but I have been in the evangelical church every Sunday my whole life, and so I have heard a lot of the verbiage that just won't go away. And, and you know, we've sort of moved past some of the 80s lingo, but there's new lingo out there, and it's much worse. Like, loving on, like the pastor will say from the pulpit, we're it's going gross. to go out in our community, and we're going to be loving on our neighbors. Icky. Icky. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Why are you loving on them? Just say helping. Leave them alone. No. Yeah. Nobody wants to be loved on. Or you can love we them. love you. Right. I don't need to be. Yeah. Demonstrate your love. But don't. Nobody wants to be loved on. Doing life. Like, what are you doing to it? Adulting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting our lives together. Just a bunch of people doing life together in this podcast room. No. Don't. Be nice to life. Don't do it. Okay. Stop mangling the English English language while you're at it. Um, so. Those were my uh, those are the primary annoyances here early um, in the first half of 2017. Joe, do you have one? Do you have an annoyance? Well, you have many. We don't have that much time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have any. I was trying to think of it like to add to this discussion, but I I can't think of any words that people use that I can't stand. I guess there are like there are things that po- they're popular like uh, with younger kids that I'll hear that I think are dumb. Like on fleek is. Totally stupid. I don't know if you know if that's, that's still a thing. Banned. Is that is that still, is that still a thing? It's yeah. old news. Yeah, but I I don't know. This isn't a phrase, but this you all know this. I've ranted on this many times. This isn't a phrase. It's a practice, and it's and the online social media uh, tendencies of some people to plagiarize funny things. Oh yeah. That they pull <laughs> from Twitter feeds of comedians and others, and then put them in their own comments, who, who, their who own does, tweets. Who does that? Uh, you know what? <laughs> it's a family show. I don't. We don't. We're not here to ruin people. 
we're here to educate and lift people up. I, but it, I, you know, you, you can't do that. Put a quote on it. Put a name on it. Don't don't accept all the the funny. Oh, you're so funny. You're not. You're a plagiarizer. Sarah, do you have an annoyance? I I don't really know. I'm kind of with Joe where like it's just little random things and nothing kind of really comes to mind right now, but if I do, if I think of one, I'll I'll, I'll show you. There's, there's too much other big things that bother me, which you all know about, for me to like get bogged down in the weeds of, you know, <laughs> tiny words and phrases. I I, I have bigger fish to fry. Okay. I don't. Other I, than <laughs> like the word moist, which I know is very common, yeah, like we this. you're just you're I just trying to be cool. I am. I just don't yeah. like that word. No, I don't like that word though. It freaks me out. It's weird. It's just how you say it. I'm like, convinced that people don't like the word moist because they think other people don't like the word moist. No, it's like unless you're talking about a cake. We had this discussion the other day, yeah. and this led to oh, yeah. <laughs> this led to Nick's admission that he's a big Creed fan. I was. <laughs> Was. And he thinks other people hate Creed just because it's cool to hate Creed. They do, absolutely. <laughs> Creed's awesome. When Creed, when Creed was, you know, multi-platinum selling, whatever, they were selling out arenas. They were, they were co-headlining with you too. <laughs> Don't fact check me on that, Jim Murray. But <laughs> they, I mean, they were the biggest band in the world for a while. But now everybody hates Creed huh, because it's cool. Now they're playing the Fowlerville Family Fair. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Okay, so we're gonna wrap up here quick. But I did want to have a quick discussion about the name of the podcast. Um, cold oatmeal. I don't know if it needs any further description or explanation. I think it pretty much explains itself or not at all. Um, we've had some discussion over the, the months that we've been planning this endeavor. Any thoughts about the name? I can give you my the, the origins. Well, is it true that Stephanie's not here because of creative differences? Like, I think so. She did send a very, a very formally written letter that she was not going to be a part of this because she disagreed with going forward with cold. I yeah. You, Sarah, That's you need to rumor. actually say the words out loud into a podcast. You can't just roll your <laughs> eyes. I know. I'm saying, do not say that. <laughs> you know what her problem nice. is, Sarah. She she worries that cold oatmeal is moist. <laughs> there you go. So here's the deal with cold oatmeal. Um, this podcast, the ideas for it originated because we have a really good time at our staff meetings. And we talk a lot about stuff that's work-related and not work-related. And when Joe and Sarah, they both joined us about the same time in the spring of 2016, we were all getting to know each other a little bit. And Joe would bring this Tupperware container of goo uh, and eat it every morning. And finally, one of us asked, what is it that you're eating? And he revealed that it was cold oatmeal. And he proceeded to say that it was... You know, very healthy and had some fun stuff in it, like <laughs> fruit, and it was sweet, and, but it had a lot of healthy stuff that was good for him. Um, but I thought, you know, that's kind of what this podcast is. It's good for us. It's fun. It's got some funny elements to it. And it was the first thing that really got us talking as an office. So I thought that cold oatmeal would be a great way to kind of wrap, wrap its arms around this podcast as we talk about the issues we work on and uh, the people we work with. I love it. I've been on board with it <laughs> since day one. Since day one. <laughs> as, the, as the inspiration, you are 100% in favor. Okay. Well, there you go. Our first awkward silence of the cold oatmeal podcast. That must be the mean we are we are out of time. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah. Well, it's here. He's got it on his, it's, on his it's desk always right here. Now. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like one to ten. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, there's nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it. it but it, it looks like 
cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped cucumber. apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your <laughs> No, was I, your I had a McDonald's sausage biscuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a Barks root beer. Oh. <laughs> breakfast at Champs. You had root beer? I'm still drinking it, yeah. Oh, man, Nick. No caffeine, like just straight pop? Well, Barks, it has bite. I think Barks <laughs> has caffeine. <laughs> there's no caffeine in root beer. Sure, there's caffeine in Barks. I don't think so. Isn't there? No. Okay, that's, that's for next week. Okay, <laughs> is there caffeine in root beer? Thanks for joining us and share us, listen to us, and we'll do that. Fear of all.